Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Goodbye, University. Right on. Thanks for joining us for our July LOA Book Club. I was just starting to tell everyone that I was going to review Changing Reality by Serge King. I can't find my copy of it. I know I put it in a place because I said, oh, I need to keep this handy for the book club, and uh, I can't find it. But I do have Noah St. John's Affirmations, and I also finished Exploring Native American Wisdom by Fran Dancing Feather and Rita Robinson, which was I, I enjoyed. I don't know how much of that I'll share on this call. All right, so Nancy, I got questions about Noah's take on affirmations. And, and this is kind of one of those books that you really don't have to read in order to get the benefit of the practice. It's a lot like Prey Rain journaling. Like you, it, it, it's fairly simple, although I did learn some distinctions that he says are important. But before I even ask about those, the first question I have in my mind is, so he, he's, one of his arguments is that our self-talk in our head is in the form of a lot of questions. Like we say, why am I such an idiot? Why can't I get this right? Or, or we, say, we say our self-talk is in the form of questions. It, look, I know that a lot of my self-talk is not. I'm sure some of it is, but I know a lot of my self-talk is in the form of sentences, like an affirmation would be, and that's effective. So I, I think that he, he kind of presents in this book that affirmations are a step above affirmations. I'm disinclined to agree with that because I think, although the reason he'll say that is because, you know, it triggers the brain to go look for the answer when you put something in the form of a question. I understand that. But I also know that my self-talk is powerful even when it's formed with sentences, not questions. You guys, I'm not the only one who has self-talk that isn't all questions, right? True. true. I don't, I don't either. And I, I think that he's jumping to conclusions about that. You know, I, I, have a, I kind of have a problem with the whole, um, you know, affirmations don't work uh, approach because it, it's short-sighted and it's based on someone who doesn't know how to use affirmations and then they're blaming the baby and trying to throw the baby out with the bathwater and, and not taking responsibility for their own energy. That said, I think affirmations are cool. Affirmations are cool. I think that, um, that creating affirmations in the form of a question can be really helpful. And in my work with uh, people who are both left brain dominant and right brain dominant, um, the left brain dominant people really benefit from affirmations, question formed um, affirmations, whereas the more right brain dominant people, which I tend to fall into that category, we do really well with, you know, positive statements, I am statements, um, anything in a positive form. Hmm. Hmm. And um, so, you know, I don't, 
I my most of my self talk is not questions, and it's not berating myself, and it's not putting myself down. No, now, and you, and you've done a lot of you've. I mean, yes, yes. it's not your first rodeo, but I think right. even for a person who hasn't engaged this sort of work, uh, we our self talk a lot of it. I think is in sentences, so the, I don't. I just am not comfortable dismissing or even preferring affirmations above affirmations, even though he says in the book that, look, they work for some people. and But then he said there's millions that it doesn't work for. And he talks about, you know, tells stories about people who have sticky notes placed everywhere and their life hasn't changed a single bit in 10 years. But, uh, but I, I, so I will say this, that wasn't, I didn't appreciate uh, the the negative perspective that affirmations got in this book. Having said that, it does feel like there's something powerful to play with here. Um, the first page that I bookmarked, he he listed some questions that, like he said, if you were someone who maybe grew up with what with without much money, you'd probably have some assumptions that you know making money is hard. That's just the way it is, and that some of your if we could record the thought seeds you're planting on the inside and play them back to you on the outside, it might sound something like this. Why am I so broke? Why don't I have enough money? How come I'm not more successful? How come I could never get ahead? Why do other people have so much more money than I do? I didn't really relate to that, and it's not because um, it's not because I, I, it's, my stuff doesn't seem to be in the form of questions, my self-talk. I could be wrong about that. But I am willing to play with planting some seeds in the form of questions. So this is one of the things that I didn't understand until I read his book, and that's the distinction between how questions and why questions. Because he teaches people that you want to set up your question in the form of a why, to have it start with a why, not a how. And he said it's because um, motive always trumps method. That's the gist of it. So he said the two basic forces that govern human behavior, it's the why and the how. The why is your motive for doing something. The how is your method of doing it. He says, I often ask my coaching clients, which do you think is more powerful, the why or the how? To answer that question, let me ask you another one. Have you ever noticed that you can know how to do something but never actually do it? For example, there are hundreds of things you could do right now that you choose not to. Run down the street naked, hug a cactus, or pick a fight with Chuck Norris. You you have the how of doing these things, meaning you could do them if you wanted to, but you don't have the why of doing them, meaning you don't really want to do them. So he says, that's why motive always trumps method, which means the why always trumps the how, and that is why affirmations start with the word why. So he says, let's say you affirm, why am I so rich? Your mind immediately seeks to answer the question, which means you actually force it to focus on all the things you have. But if you were to ask yourself the question, how did I get so rich, your mind would most likely be stumped because you're asking it to discover the method by which you got rich before you believe you actually are. It would probably reply with something like, what are you talking about? I don't know. I pref- I've, w- before I read the book, the little bit that I've played with affirmations, I always put mine in the form of a how question because it sounded more like how I would talk. It, it just fit better than a why question. So he, he, when he made that argument, I thought, okay, I'll do it in the form of a of a why question, and um, I haven't done it. So I wonder if I should just ignore that advice, or or you could try it and 
see Lord knows. A- Every time I try something that I don't really expect to be really spectacular, it always is. <laughs> so maybe this is going to be really powerful, Nancy. You might be onto something with that. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's worth, you know, giving it a try and see. But I know that even in coach training, they taught us that when you're working with a client, um, that if you use the question, how, if, if you start the question with how, often puts them in a, a position of trying to figure things out, which can actually stymie and cause people to get, you know, even further, st- to spin and get further stuck. If you ask them a why question, like why did you do that, that can make them become defensive. But if you ask them a what question, like what were, what were the thoughts that helped you make that decision, they can answer that, but they're less likely to be to feel put on the spot or to feel um okay well you Nancy, I suspect you and I and maybe everyone here at g v u is a little different in that we we don't get shut down with affirmations or affirmations because we don't believe them yet, right? We know that it just because we might it might not be our truth yet that isn't the that doesn't cause us to to give up on something because we know how the system works. So maybe right. for yeah. savvy creators, they ha- would have a different experience with how they formulate the question because I don't feel that my, my brain doesn't respond with, what are you talking about? I don't know how I got so rich. My, mine doesn't do that. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense because you and I have had enough experience actually in real time watching ourselves change our thoughts and watching reality shift. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like we, we know how to surpass reality, right? It does, mm-hmm. It's not a showstopper or um, a party pooper for us if we say something that doesn't appear to be true in 3D reality yet. I don't know, look at me, I'm, I still i am trying to defend a, a how-based question when I probably should just play. Okay, so half, the, half this book, and this is not a big book, but half of the book is a list of potential why questions. I circled a couple, um, and then the rest of the book, he, he tells a lot of stories of people raving about his paid-for products. So it just seemed like a lot of promotion and a lot of filler um, for something that still has the power to be, um, or po- the potential to be incredibly fun to play with. So let me, I'll, sure. Sounds like he took the the um, Joe Vitale school of how to write a book. <laughs> Which is, you know, talk about yourself, promote yourself the whole way <laughs> through the book. But I, I do want to just say, Jeanette, I think based on what I know about you um, over the years that we've worked together, I would venture to guess that you are right brain dominant like I am. Mm-hmm. And I have found in my work that right brain dominant people who tend to be very visually creative, okay, they find it very easy to suspend quote unquote reality mm-hmm. and play with mm-hmm. other options. Because that skill is actually part of what's needed when you're a visual communicator mm-hmm. or a visual artist. You have to be willing to play and try new things that you have, and you have to be willing to fall on your face too. You know, just mm-hmm. play with it, see what happens. You know, do it lightly. Whereas in my work with left brain dominant people who tend to be the creative writers and the analytical um, 
scientific, accounting, you know, more science-based people, they have a very, very hard time even thinking about suspending reality. Like, why would you do that? <laughs> why, why would you ever yeah, suspend well. reality? And so my guess is the reason why how questions work for you is because you're already in that category of people who um, don't get tripped up by affirmations, affirmations, and, um, you know, you can still do affirmations, but you don't need them in the way that a left brain dominant well, person might actually need them in order to move forward. I appreciate your sharing that because it, it offers yet another reason why we can each be so potentially different in our experience of something. And he didn't address this in the book, but I am curious to, because we hear the most powerful words that anyone could ever speak start with I am. Ooh, I've got the I am discourses on my in my reading list sometime too. Um, so I was thinking the I am, that's not in the form of a question, but uh, I I get a lot of juice from I am affirmations, a lot, a lot, a lot of juice. It's actually been my alignment practice each morning for quite a while now is to repeat a couple of I am statements. So uh, Ooh, I, I, I just read a, I just read an article. Here it is, right here. I got a tab. I, one of my twenty six tabs. <laughs> oh gosh! <laughs> oh, no, you can't do that. Uh, is an article. I was actually going to forward it to you, and then I just got sidetracked on one of the other twenty six tabs that I have opened in, and I'll in my browser. I'll read. Okay, listening to a thirty minute video that's going to take me a minute to get to, but I'll read stuff all day long. Okay, so this was a Unity article. And it says, I am, colon, the only name you have. And um, it goes on to basically say that I am, the words I am are so powerful that they must be used with extreme care. Why? Because the words I am are your actual identity. They are your spiritual name, the identity of your spiritual self. Your I am is the name of the God nature in you and of all the divine potential in you. It is who you are at your Christ essence. I am is your true identity. I I get it. I so I feel the truth of that. I mean I got goosebumps as you read that. That that feels right to me. It'd be mm -hmm. interesting to see if there's a way to combine a, the power of giving the brain a question with an I am statement, but it's not coming to me. But I don't think so, because, because the questions start with why right. or, or what, yeah. right? They start with what? So well, All of his are why. Why? So okay. Here's a couple examples uh, that I, I arrowed a few. I mean, like I said, half the book is questions, but I liked a couple of these. Why do I let miracles happen for me today? Um, that's all I had in that whole chapter. Uh, I might have got tired of reading. So these are empowering why questions. So it's not like, why am I an idiot? <laughs> oh, no. These are the ones he's suggesting we use. Right. And I'll okay. talk about how he suggests we use them, although he didn't go into a ton of detail. But he, here's another. Why do I find something to like in everyone I meet? Kind of like that. Why am I so lucky in relationships? Uh, let me go to his chapter on self-esteem. Why is love so easy for me? Why do I catch my significant other doing something right every day? These just sound awkward to me. Why do I have so much love in my life right now? I'm telling you, the why questions feel 
like it's off key. The hows feel so much easier for me to engage. Um, here's some from the work and career chapter. Uh, why do I have so much success in business? I changed that to life. Why do I let myself live the life of my dreams? Why is my career growing beyond my wildest dreams? I feel like more shut down with the why question than a how question. And Nancy, it may completely be the whole left brain, right brain thing. Or maybe just the way I talk to myself in my mind. These don't sound like my words. You know how they, they say in affirmations that the they're more effective if they're in your own voice? Do they say that, Nancy, or am I making that up? I say that. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I say, I say, you know, start with an affirmation that makes you giggle or feel good when you say it because you know then it's powerful for you. And then I also tell people it's not set in stone. So if you start saying it and you find yourself saying a different variation of it, go with that new variation because that's your inner guidance kind of guiding you toward mm. what's really a better fit for you. You know, my, that happened with my one of my I am statements where I said, I am a brilliant, beautiful, confident woman in the prime of her life, rocking out her mission and having a blast doing it. I felt it want to change to, I am a brilliant, beautiful, confident woman in the prime of her life, in the prime of my life. Her change to my, and uh-huh. man, did that have extra juice for me. I didn't, I didn't even realize that when I was crafting it. It's not like I made a conscious decision to choose her over my but uh, as I warmed up to it, it turns out it wants to be mine, not her. So, yeah, I, I, I appreciate us being flexible with ourselves when our affirmations or affirmations, whatever we're using, show us that they want to evolve or morph in even little ways. Yeah. Different. Yep. So um, he suggests just the same way we would use affirmations, whether it's repeating them out loud or writing them down or posting them on sticky notes. So... I have not experimented with this. Um, it, it, it wouldn't be my first time, though. I have used questions before. I have one on my whiteboard right now. Oh, um, I oh there I had a who question that I loved so much as a self-love trigger. Remember the sticky note I put on my mirror that said, who do you love? And that was my reminder to practice saying a couple of nice things to myself, eye to eye, in the mirror every day. But uh, if it, has anyone played with affirmations who's dialed in, who can share? Larry, Guillaume, Brenda? I just find um, when it comes to affirmations, I've never played with the affirmations. They, I don't know, they just have never pulled at me. Um, as far as affirmations go, I do better when I don't affirm what I'm creating, but instead infer, affirm a universal principle or truth that is like an underlying support for anything I want to create. Oh, I gotcha. Do you, yeah. do you have an example in mind? Uh, well, probably the most recent example. Actually, I'll read it. I uh, I have memorized it, but I I want to say it so it's not doesn't come out. Uh, whoops, sorry. Here it is. Doesn't come out jerky because I've memorized it, but I still um, sometimes pause. It's a by Thomas. It's a long one, actually. It goes like this: uh, My mind is a center of divine operation. The divine operation is always for expansion and fuller expression, and this means the production of something beyond what has gone before something entirely new. 
not included in the past experience, though proceeding out of it by an orderly sequence of growth. Therefore, since my mind cannot change its inherent nature, it must operate in the same manner with me. Consequently, in my own special world of which I am the center, it will move forward to produce new conditions, always in advance of any that have gone before. Um, so when I think that or say that to myself, I, I'm more an inward affirmer than I am, you know, mm-hmm. actually v- vocalizing it out loud. Um, I, it, it just erases all the doubt mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, makes it so that I can just immediately go to the picture of what I've been visualizing or seeing myself seeing myself living and and it feels I feel powerful, you know. It feels like it has potency. Yeah. You know what's interesting to me that uh I know at least three of us, Brenda, you, me and Nancy get super lit up with some really old text. When and I say really old, I mean Catherine Ponder, Florence Scubbleshin, Neville, Thomas Troward. What do you think is going on with us, you guys? Hundreds of years old. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, that lights me up even more because I think, okay, this is not, you know, because of the secret that came out in 2006. Uh, uh, this is not that's a flat around. Yeah, it's not a flash in the pan. This has been around a long time, and people have, have had different ways of explaining it over the centuries. And I find that intriguing and delightful. I do too. And as Eric Butterworth says in, in his lectures, he says that, um, and he'll quote back as far as Plato, like uh, um, Meister Eckhart, uh, he's, and the point being that there is nothing new in new thought. Mm-hmm. Like all these principles that um, that we're you know thinking are new and have just come on the scene in the last like maybe hundred years, they've been around and being and have been practiced for actually thousands of years. <laughs> you know. Um, hmm. You know, well, look at that, Cal- and, that California guy who wrote the book Thoughts Are Things, and then, what, 100 years later, the Dooleys come along with the same thing, and we think the Dooleys made that up. <laughs> I I was yeah. actually surprised. I just saw that the other day, Nancy, and I, I did a double take, and I was like, wow, how old is this? I I think that's very interesting. You know, because one of the criticisms that I was just mentioning of the affirmations formed with a Y is that this isn't how I talk to myself, so it doesn't feel natural. It doesn't feel like me. And yet, I love Neville's material, but I think I, I, even though that is not the way that I talk, but I think that I love it perhaps despite that it's language I wouldn't use myself rather than because of it. I'm Um, sorry, Jeanette. Did you mean you love Neville's work or you love Noah's work? Love Neville. I, I can okay. I can appreciate Noah. I I can give him a thumbs up. Absolutely. I just want to have my little disclaimer in there that you don't need to buy the book. And I don't know how much about how important the questions are worded, but uh, yeah, I'm thumbs up on Noah St. John. But huge. I'm a raving fan of Neville, despite the fact that that's you know not necessarily super easy language for me to um, 
to roll around. I don't know. Maybe that's why. Maybe that is why I like it because it's so different. I don't know. It just was interesting to me that here's Brenda quoting Thomas. <laughs> Nancy, I know you're a huge fan of Catherine. <laughs> I can't shut up about Neville. <laughs> and I love Neville this too. Ladies, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I get far more juice out of Neville if I read him rather than listen to him. Uh-huh. Oh, I've never listened to Neville. After. Well, you know, if you're getting juice out of him reading him, just stick with that. Uh-huh. Yeah. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. And I, I find he's reading great. I, I just find I, there's some people I really enjoy reading, and others I'd rather hear them say it. Like I'd rather hear Greg Braden explain the science stuff, but but Neville, I I can sit and re I can sit and reread Neville over and over and over, oh, and yeah. still mm-hmm. still love it, yeah. which is strange. You know, actually, I think that's one reason I'm not through that book I picked up of his yet, or Catherine Ponder's, because. Those seem to me like the kind of classics I always want to be with. These other books I read so I can get them off my bookshelf, but those I feel like I'm going to be with forever. There is no hurry here. Yeah, there's definitely that's definitely the feeling that I get with um, Catherine Ponder. I mean, it took me ten months to read The Dynamic Laws of Prosperity, and I turned around and started rereading it immediately, like mm. ten months with it, and I didn't toss it across the room. <laughs> I, instead, I, I opened it right back up at page one and started rereading it immediately. And um, yeah, it's and it is a great book to have just on your um, your bedside table. And just read even one section before you go to bed. It has this ability to, I think, really shift your energy. And I think over time, it probably has the ability to actually change your set point on prosperity. Oh, wow. That makes sense. And appeals. Let's hear from our guys on this. You guys got any thoughts to chime in with? Yeah, I, I actually do. Yeah. Um, you know when you were asking about the you're talking about the affirmations where you said um about the how or um was the other one how and why. And why, yeah. Well to to me both those uh, I I do find both those positive in a sense because um I wanna I wanna go back, talk about first reading. Um, in, in the fourth step photo reading, we do something called post-viewing, where you find trigger words and you formulate questions. And when you formulate questions, we've always uh, been taught uh, in, in, that, in the, pro, in the um, course pack that you always start with what, when, where, why, how, and who. You know, and because it actually, um, how to say, what opens up, opens up your, your mind a lot more to find the answers, to find the. Um, to find the answers that you're seeking for in um, in stating your purpose. Yeah, and you know, uh, while uh, Guillaume was saying that, I I thought, and you know, Jeanette, with your, you know, you don't have a problem. In fact, you get a lot, you get more juice from the how than the why. Um, I thought it's not like you're saying, "How am I going to get." this or how no, how did true. how it's like how, how did i how did i get so successful yeah it's like how it's already I, done right how did i get so happy yeah and and you know and the answer the answer is in my head i know the answer it's it's passion and practice like that i feel like i don't i don't struggle with not knowing how i, hmm. I don't know i don't know do you always have i i have to ask this of you Jeanette, with with using the the house, do you always have like when you're using an affirmation or or an affirmation with a how or 
or a why if you chose, do you always have the sense that there's like a spiritual prototype <laughs> or that it's already happening? Oh, wow. I, I'm just wondering if that might be the difference between... And that, and that might be because of the training with Bashar about multiple realities. About mm-hmm. It already exists. I still remember that video clip that so many people get offended by when the guy asks about conspiracy theories and Bashar shuts him down and says, we will not be a channel for this negative stuff. But his, his basic answer is, there isn't one answer because there's a bazillion different realities. So you get to choose which one. And Bashar saying, we're not going to help you choose that one because that's not what we're about. I, that reminder that it is all happening. So which do I choose? And not only is it all happening, it's all happening now. How, how could anything ever feel far away? Oh, I know. As, I, as the girl who just spent a week worrying about her dog. <laughs> how, every, how a particular reality could feel far away. But it might be that, Brenda, I love the way you described that. I wish I, I could hear those words again because it, it does feel like we're not reaching for something that doesn't exist. We're choosing something that already does. Well, the term right. spiritual prototype, I kind of have that fresh in my mind because of that's exactly the term that uh, Thomas Trower uses in the Edinburgh Lectures when he talks about one of the key things is having in the back of your mind at all times that there's a spiritual prototype. He uses the term spiritual prototype um, to whatever you you know, you want to see happen on the physical plane, which is essentially just a mirror, right? Um, to focus on that, that's the reality, and not look for it on the outside. Always look, always, always focus on the, the spiritual prototype as, sure, as being that, the real, as being the real. Yeah. Be, people wouldn't get hung up on the external reality, right, as a block mm-hmm. if they were practicing that. Well, I yeah. think you have to take into account vibration too, Jeanette, because when you were thinking about your dog this past week, just mm-hmm. the thought of your dog's issue was not putting you in a high vibration. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, not in a high bri- vibration, you're less likely to remember, wait a minute, Every, all is well here. Mm-hmm. All is well, and everything exists, and I get to focus on mm-hmm. what I want because mm-hmm. I know right. I, I can lo- easily I can easily dial into that when I'm in a higher vibration. But when I'm in a lower vibration, I've got the same problem everybody else mm-hmm. has. You know. I was just I, yeah I was just thinking the other day. It's amazing how differently I experience the same thing depending on what my mood is. It's um it's. Yeah, uh, it's worth paying attention to. And you know, they've got all these scientific articles now about how you cannot make a wise decision. And you find a lot of these on the business sites like, you know, Business Insider and Inc. and Forbes and whatever, saying you cannot make a clear decision when you're in a negative mind frame because the brain simply stops you from being able to access you know, solutions. And kind of, whether, it's been like yeah. Julie's boss that's, you know, with the mood elevator. Like we're not exactly. going to do anything when we're at the bottom. Huh. Exactly. Exactly. And and I love that more and more it's being discussed in the business world and not just in, you know, the spiritual world. We've been talking about this and Sears have been talking about this for eons. But, you know, you know yeah. And and I think, I think athletes and sales departments are probably the – the most likely muggles to be taught this stuff, don't you think? Yes, yes, 
yeah. But it, it, it blends over because all of those departments then work with other departments within a company. Yeah. And if you've, got, if you've got your sales team pumped up and doing good, but they have to interact with other people in the company who just don't get it, that's mm-hmm. where it makes sense to spread the word you know, across the corporation. Okay, so I want to circle back to Guillaume and ask if you would mind saying a couple words about what photo reading is. Okay. Um, yeah, right. Um, photo reading was developed by Paul Shear, who co- who co-founded Learning Science Corporation. It was actually the first course pack he developed when he was an undergraduate student at the uh, University of Minnesota. Um, what it is, it's a way of um, using your whole mind system because you, you're using your both your conscious mind and your non-conscious mind to seek answers. Um, when you, as I say, uh, let me give you an, uh, as an example. Right, there's one book I want to give you an example, which is my favourite book of all time, which is called The Life of Philip K. Dick, The Man Who Remembered the Future. Wait a I, minute. That's a pretty strong recommendation. Did I hear you right when you said my favourite book of all time, or do you mean my favourite book of all time on this subject? Um, so favourite book of all time. Uh, wow, K- say it again for us. we got to check this out. Or maybe type, yeah. type up the title in the in the yeah. chat. <laughs> I'll, I'll tape it in a minute. Yeah, okay. um, I, I, yeah. And what it is, my when I was when I got the book, my purpose was to understand more about the daemon, so that I can commu- um, use it. Oh, how's this? Oh, come on, what my purpose was actually, so that I can utilize it to my advantage. That's what it is. So that was my purpose. So obviously, um, and then you do you do a, a tangerine method to put an individual tangerine in the back part of your head to focus more. And then you preview the book, just just the contents page and the index page, but you don't look at the book at all. And then you go to relaxation state, and in which is the first step, photo read. Then you flip the books from beginning to end. It doesn't matter if you've missed a few pages; it's not a big problem. And and then you do post viewing, as I explained. You look for your trigger words, and um, ask questions. And then the final bit, which is activation, um, which is where you you um, do something called super reading dipping and then you also at the end of it do a mind map and you can do any if you want to you could do some rapid reading if you want to whether it's a whole book or parts of the book and so your choice providing it is in line with your purpose wow this sounds really interesting yeah yeah it really does okay so your favorite book of all time is the man who remembered the future hang on wait hang on i'll put it i'm just going to type it in now okay I'm kind of curious to hear everyone. Is this everyone? Would everyone have an answer to my favorite book of all time? I can't choose one. It's like choosing a baby. Your favorite, <laughs> I, your favorite animal or your favorite baby. Yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, so many. <laughs> well, my window went dark. Philip Dick, The Man Who Remembered the Future by Anthony Peake. Okay, cool. Thank wow, you. all right. He was the man that wrote Blade Runner, the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is it a? No- it's not a novel, is it? It's a. No, it's not a novel. No, so, um, because Anthony Peake, because I, d- I did actually mention him in, in the forums, uh, his website. Anthony Peake's very much into things like um, quantum physics. He's a sociologist actually by um, by speciality, but he's into things like quantum physics, time travel, paranormal stuff, and he he. And he's also into um, Damon's as well, and um, 
he was he particularly looked at particularly Philip K. Dick because um, um, he had mental instability problems, but um, he could uh, has said would communicate easy with his higher self, sometimes often called um, a daemon. And um, I had to tell you something more extraordinary. Um, he even knew when he was going to die. Wow, I don't know if I want to know that. <laughs> yeah, I I'm intrigued by that. I'm actually intrigued by that. I yeah. I don't want to sound freaky, but I've been practicing my death. <laughs> <laughs> Any particular reason, Jeanette? Or <laughs> I, 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 it's I not like reviewing what? your financials. You suddenly get inspired to practice your death. Or... I'm like, I know how I want to go, and I'm prepaving. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, okay, so I want to know if I'm if I'm imagining the right definition for Damon. I'm thinking of the Greek definition. I, I oh, who wrote the book? The Soul's Code by, what's his name? Oh, I know that book. James Hillman, right? I've heard that book, yeah, I've heard that book, yeah. I think that's the first time I heard the term there, and he and he was using the Greek definition to mean, like, the, the, the part of us that's, um, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to find the right words, so maybe I should let you explain what exactly, um, oh yeah, that's exactly how it was spelled, D-A-E-M-O-N. M-O-N, so what, yeah. How, how would you explain that, Guillaume? It's it's basically your higher self, your other version of you. Um, what what it is? Um, it was actually Plato, the founder of school of philosophy. He was actually, I would say, the first recognised person to discover this being called a daemon. And um, yeah, it's, he was the first, you know, and Berman, he was the founder of school of philosophy. It's basically your your other version, your high. Sometimes they call it your higher self. It's actually um, has to say the word your own your own god. It's basically the god that you you, you communicate with. Um, has and uh, I was to say, oh yes, during the, during the um, have you had have you had the word of Gnosticism, Gnostics? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this is actually an interesting story. This one um, because um, in the when the Gnostics in France in the Languedoc region formed this 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 um, this group because they're the ones that can easily communicate with their daemons. Um, the Catholic Church at the time didn't like it, and they called it demon. So in other words, a demonizer word. Oh, and sounds many of yeah, yeah, and um, you know, and so yeah, what they did, unfortunately, they had the Gnostics murdered quite a lot. Not all of them, but most of a large amount of them were murdered. Yeah, so uh, um, yeah, that was uh, that was the story, you see. But um, because they, you see, the thing is with with Jesus Christ. They, they, when he went on his travels, um, when he was 12 years old, um, he was on his travels for 18 years. Actually, came, he went back to Israel when he was 30. He, he understood um, this thing about demons and all this stuff as well, and he started your higher self because only when he went on his tra- travels. But it really, uh, people were a lot of people reading it from the wrong way because the Catholic Church demonized the word and called it demon. But really, the word daemon is not a bad word at all. It's actually a very good word, actually, in this sense, because mm-hmm. your other version of you. Makes mm. good sense. Yeah, thanks for that. I was just thinking as he was talking, as you were talking, uh, Giam, oh, what I wouldn't give just for us all to get together for an afternoon over tea or oh. coffee and just... <laughs> Mm. Oh, Brenda, yeah. after we do our five rites in the morning, and then we could have tea after. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm still staring at my bookshelf, looking my, for my favorite book of all time. I so want to be able to have this as, 
confident an answer as Guillaume has with that one. Larry, do you have a favorite book of all time? Not exactly. Uh, I connected really well with uh, with Carlos Castaneda's Don Juan books. Ah. Uh, but the uh, the information that was useful in there for me was a little here and there, and a lot of it was uh, kind of misleading. You know, uh, I've, I've got a lot of opinions, but they're little ones all over the place instead of something very profound like a really great book. I kind of like, I was trying to remember the name of one. Uh, it was called Beyond Beyond Visualization, and I don't Ooh. remember the name of the person that wrote it. Uh, it was, I can't remember if it was Beyond Visualization that was on the cover or if the, it was Feelization, but it was trying to Ooh. change things from visualizing to feeling. And uh, I know she also wrote a book of how to write a Hollywood movie in 21 days. But she was a really good writer, and it was real easy to imagine what she was uh, saying. Um, right on. But I, I don't her name, have her name is Vicki King, and she wrote Beyond Visualization and How to Write a Movie in 21 Days. Yeah, Vicki yeah. King, V-I-K-I King. Okay. And the other one that I got a kick out of, but this was a long time ago, was... Uh, uh, the Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment. Oh, okay, I've heard the title, but I haven't read the book. So that's a thumbs up from you on that one. Yeah, I, I liked. It. I got a kick out of it. This was sort of at the beginning of my trying to get into all this sort of stuff. Uh, and there's a copy of it on the internet, uh, a website where they just have the book. It's a short book, uh, but I saw it a long time ago. It would have to be for a lazy man, right? Someone writing the Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment wouldn't make it long. <laughs> yeah. And there was one chapter called, Look, Ma, I'm Enlightened. And it's like, okay, I had to buy the book after I read the chapter title. Uh, it was funny. And uh, so, yeah, I uh, I read a lot of... Uh, oh, my mind's going blank here. Uh, the Seth book. Wow, you know, I know so many people who are raving fans of Seth's books, and I have yet to finish one, and my dad keeps giving them to me. And I'm normally, you know, pretty good. If my dad gives me a book, I'm going to get to it eventually. I cannot get through a Seth book to save my life. They're rough books to read, uh, and uh, yeah, they're 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 kind of rough. Uh, you know, I have a lot of opinions on the left brain, right brain. Why questions and all that stuff you were starting off with. That Let's hear it. I, I know tons of people when they're in a jam and they're all discouraged uh, and not too familiar with the kind of work you're talking about here, uh, that they're all about why questions. And I get mad. It's like you're not going to find anything with these why mm-hmm. questions. They sort of presume that, to me, it's sort of left over from Christianity where uh, at the beginning was the the word and the word that was with God and it's sort of like people treat it like the script's written and you only go to the expert and there's a reason why for everything and it totally ignores life as a process or getting the hang of stuff it's so much of this stuff uh, most of the telesummit things that I see seem to be catered to the left brain 
mm-hmm. and the way left brain people approach the right brain is kind of funny. And I personally have a tremendous amount of trouble with anything very ordinary that I say, which is sometimes hard to explain, sort of like how do you do balance on a bicycle or uh, that they want to read into it uh, what they're used to hearing from a left-brained person. So while you're giving somebody an image, they're trying to figure out the conclusion or the point or the meaning, or while you're trying to give them the meaning, they grab an image from someplace else, and you're actually talking about two different things. And it's one of the things that's impressed me about you is that you don't seem to get hung up on these opportunities to get hung up that are all over the place. (laughs) Well said. (laughs) They are all over the place, aren't they? And, and And then supposedly I'm supposed to be both brains equally, but I much prefer the right brain. I was and just going to ask. Huh. Me too. Me too. And and actually, the equal left and right brain is is a sign of um, entrepreneur, entrepreneurial mind to have the ability to to both see the logic and also suspend reality and imagine something different, better, new, innovative. Yeah, I was told by the guy that tested me that that he said you're very smart, but life's a lot rougher <laughs> for people <laughs> that like it instead of being one or the other dominant. And so when it comes down to a person who's straight, right brain dominant, I'm not sure if I really have that type of person pegged very well. But I've sure been around too many left brain dominant. And uh, so to me, a little bit of it, I mean. In my ordinary thinking about it, which to me is sort of the essence of, of right brain dominant, is uh, is it I call it top down or bottom up? Is it, are you learning from an expert and then following the lead of a leader, or are you getting the hang of something for yourself, like you learned stuff when you were a kid? And so the getting the hang of it to me is the right brain, and following a leader, you know. Uh, it's like what we all had in school, you know. Uh, you, you get the words first, and then you're following the words. You know, you, it's like reading a book, and it all can sound really good, but when you turn around to try to apply it, uh, there's a bunch of things missing, uh, or you, you know, you you can't make it fit. Uh, I like that way of thinking about that. Uh, so, one of the things that I would Think that you should focus on a lot because to me it's your really strong point. Uh, and when it comes, I've listened to a lot of telesummits, and and you have pretty much the best. Uh, what you? It's your standard take for granted reference point clarity that you operate from. Uh, it's it's the most refreshing of the bunch, including Dr. Dane or Abraham. Uh, you know, it's easier to follow you, what you're doing, how you experiment with trying a lot of new things, which you do that more than I do, but uh, it's it's nice and it's clean, but it's the thing of, to me, the, the thing that's neat about you is that essence that is your home base. That, I just, uh, 
it doesn't get contaminated by this stuff. Because I have a heck of a time with it the more I'm around other people and and talk about any of this stuff. I feel like I just got my favorite compliment of the month. I'm glad this is recorded. (laughs) (laughs) Larry, if you're handing those out to everyone, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) I second that. that. Yeah, I uh, I I listened to a telesummit you did. I can't even remember exactly who it was with uh, a year ago, and I tried to get somebody else to listen to to it, and then uh, and then I they put it on again, and I went ahead and uh, and got the little offer thing. Uh, oh, and uh, the most bizarre thing, I. Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe it's a different one, but I still get they. Those people still send me money sometimes. Like they, I did a telesummit when I didn't even have anything really to offer other than my ebook library, which I didn't have any special deals on. It's not like it was a screaming deal. That, and it's a library. I mean, how exciting is that? It's not. And yet, I got another payment from them today. And every time I get one from them, I'm like. Those guys must know what they're doing. They're making money off my stuff when I don't even feel like I'm optimized for um, that sort of thing, you know? Because I know I've heard people they got the slick offer and it's irresistible and people can't wait. And I was so not that, but it says a lot to me that that you heard it and it was impactful. So thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah, they they've been they play their replays, you know, I think when they don't have somebody to interview, they drag yeah. out something from the past and, and redo it, and it's hard to tell. I would explain tell. why they keep sending money, because I was like, how are they still, what is it, what? Like, all right. Yeah. Huh. Very cool. Well, I'm calling it yet another path of universe, because <laughs> one of my intentions is I make money like magic, effortless, easy, natural, and fun. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Showing up to talk with someone and let them Pick my stuff and sell it for me. That data works. And listen to that. It's not even an affirmation, and it's not an I am statement either. It, right? <laughs> yeah. And it still works. The I am statement hits me. If you're a left brain person, there's certain words that have meanings and a lot of words that have a connotation, it's like the word problem. And, and where is it a heavier? Where is it ordinary? Like, a math problem. You don't have a heavy, but uh, when I use words, I got frustrated with the connotations that I had picked up with words, and so when I was living alone in the mountains, I removed them, and I think I overdid it because it's harder to relate to people. I don't think of the connotations that I used to have because they're cultural. And, uh, And so it's like, when can a book be a book without somebody reading a flavor into it. And so when it comes to your affirmations or affirmations, uh, I think a lot of people are actually, you know, the success of it is is subtler, where certain ways of phrasing it uh, triggers a feeling, and it's the feeling that does the job, which is kind of Abraham's message. Yes. Uh, but Abraham, most of these telesummits, uh, you know, things like that, they're catered to the average person, which isn't thinking like you people are thinking here. So mm-hmm. it's uh, I'm constantly trying to translate uh, 
books written into my language <laughs> so that I get the idea. And it's hard. You know, it's hard thinking the way other people think just to get information. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Well, you said um, you said something else, too. I was thinking about how Florence Scovel's chin, I don't, is it Scoville or Scovel? I heard someone pronounce it Scoville the other day in an interview. I thought interview. it was Scoville. I thought it oh, was is it? Oh, great. I, I don't know. I don't know. I always pronounce it that way. So I, don't know. I, I, I pronounce it. I pronounce it when it comes to that or Thomas Troward or Troward. I pronounce it the same way I did as I heard it the last person. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Butterworth says Troward all the time. So if I've been listening to a lot of him, I'll say Thomas Troward. And if, if I've been listening to L.G. Pug uh, read the book um, the, on the Edinburgh Lectures, I'll say Troward. <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> Okay, well, I was thinking about how Flo says that she was always counseling her people to find the words that click. And you know how we can – I wanted to write a blog post on that click because some people, I, I think when they're doing their manifesting work, they aren't, they aren't necessarily getting to the feeling place of it. You know, like, remember what about Bob in the opening scene when he's repeating his affirmations, I feel good, I feel fine, and you could tell he does not feel good or fine. He's just repeating it. <laughs> without getting to the feeling place of it. And I thought it's I, – I, I was kind of assuming that people understand that, that that click into the vibration of it, that's where the power is. It's not in the word itself or the action. It's in that feeling place. And if we aren't paying attention to that, we're really missing something. And I thought Flo did a good job of, of, of telling her people that, that you're looking for the words that click, which is why – I make money like magic. It works so well for me. Um, so Robert says in chat room, he has a favorite book. He has no problem at all naming his, The Twelve Conditions of a Miracle. It is a good book. I remember that one. It's been a while since I picked that up, but I bet I still have it on my shelf because I was impressed with it as well. I still haven't. Although, okay, so I was thinking, okay, Jeanette, pretend you're going to the desert island for a long, long time, and you can only have one book there. I was thinking Neville. I was like, yeah, that's what I've been saving it for. <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> is that part of your, your death spiral no, too? No, <laughs> it's going to be fiery crash suddenly when I'm old. So, it'll, yeah, that's my plan. I feel like right now for me it would probably be the Edinburgh Lectures, but I, I feel that way quite often whenever I'm reading a book that really juices me up. I think, oh, it's the best book I ever read. Yeah. This is the best book I've ever read, and I don't think it'll ever change until another one comes along like that. <laughs> Eric Butterworth's been the same for me. Um, uh, uh, Neville, uh, and of course, like Abraham's asking is given, but th- that was, yeah, I had big Im- impact from that book. You know, my I, my big impact. Excuse me, your life is waiting, and obviously, um, how to get everything you ever wanted. That one was big too, but. Lynn Grabhorn's that that was my first introduction to really she's just she's it's Abraham in lay, layman's words yeah. uh, and she was the one that introduced me to Abraham and asking it is given when I read that sentence in the book you are not here to fix a broken world I I I felt something change inside me I've never had that experience with any other book that I've ever read but when I read that sentence you are not here to fix I'm getting a little emotional thinking about it. 
because I literally felt it's like my DNA changed. Like something, something shifted so strongly, I felt it. Because I was a person who had been operating quite a bit from try to fix this broken world. <laughs> so to yeah. read that and to understand uh, the truth of it, it was, it was life-changing. I can imagine yeah. because you, you came from the animal rescue world yep. where look at how these animals are being treated and how wrong it is and we've got to do something about and it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'd yeah. given up on the earth. I was like, well, we're never going to be able to. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, it was bad, bad, bad. That was liberating to get that. I never had that experience with another book. So if i got to say impactful books, that one's got to be on the list. But if I'm going to just hang out with someone, I'm going with Neville maybe. Well, especially the Neville Reader where you get like right. all of his books. I mean, that's like, a, that's a treasure. It is a treasure. Yeah. For books. It's like getting all the Abraham books in one place. <laughs> so has anyone else been tuned into anything that they want to share about Guillaume, did you, were you, is there anything else you're plugged into that we want to hear about um, I can think of no um, no not I can think of <laughs> I'll say a little something about exploring Native American wisdom um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it to anyone unless you were for some reason interested in Native American culture, which I am, or at least I am temporarily. And uh, I, I, one reason I like this book, it wasn't, it's not often that I read a nonfiction book that isn't at least somewhat related to conscious creation. But what I like about this was the perspective of a culture that understood life differently than we do traditionally. Like it kind of helps me get outside the paradigm of action orientation and um, and this was good at that. In fact, the Changing Reality by Serge King was also good at that as well. So, uh, but I wouldn't recommend that one necessarily is, either. Is it Serge or Sergey? Sergey. I knew it wasn't Serge. I knew it wasn't, but I was like, what else could it be, Jeanette? I have no idea. But you're <laughs> right. That's exactly what it is. I wonder. So that one didn't really light you up as much as... I skipped some parts. I liked it. It was different. It was definitely seeing different, seeing life differently. The way that um, he was taught through the Hawaiian shaman um, that he studied with, and his uncle and his dad were kind of they were they they were definitely doing life a little differently than we are. Maybe that was normal for them. They certainly weren't the only ones living like that, but they would do things. They talked to the earth and to the wind and to the crops and to the animals. Like there was, there was a communion and a communication that uh, they, they just, they understood things that um, weren't like I would find here. I, I appreciated that, but if there weren't any like crazy cool insights for amping up my manifesting game, but anytime I can get it, get a perspective on someone who has a more expansive view of life, I'm up for that. So well, I don't. The message there is that everything is conscious. Yeah. And everything is consciousness. Yeah. So there's nothing that you cannot communicate with because you're yeah. con- we're consciousness as well. You so know, I think that's really powerful, actually. I agree, Nancy. When I heard that Teal Swan video, where, or Scott, whatever her name was back then, she was talking about crystals. This is one of the first videos I saw of her, and she was just giggling because of what the crystals were saying. She said, they're so funny. They have such strange senses of humor. That kind of, I, was, I raised my eyebrows on that one. 
because it was a different thought for me that um and so I, but then I got on board with it okay crystals have a consciousness but who who recently was saying or or maybe this has been said a whole bunch of times and I only heard it recently but one of the teachers I've been plugged into said everything has consciousness yes. not just the rocks but your car your carpet your yep. clothes oh yep. it was it was the the life changing magic of tidying up she said it mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've been saying it for a long time, too. You probably maybe haven't heard me because you weren't ready to hear the message. But um, Ho'oponopono, uh, Dr. Len Len talked Mm -hmm. about it, too. If you go to his website, he's all about, you know, everything, the table, the computer, your clothes, everything is consciousness. That might be a theme in, in the Hawaiian wisdom then because that was much what Sergey was writing about as well. Mhm. Yeah. That's what I thought of when you said that. Cool stuff. Makes makes perfect sense. Hmm. And especially since we know we can I mean I know that I've you know talked to the weather and had it respond. Um, one day I was driving and it was raining, gray, miserable raining, and I started singing that Johnny Nash song, I Can See Clearly Now. <laughs> I can see clearly now, the rain is gone. Um, and I swear to God, in that moment, the clouds parted, the sun came out, and everything dried up. <laughs> All right, I'm just imagining how different it would be had you been there and said, why can I see so clearly now? <laughs> I wonder if that would have been as effective. I don't know. I think this. I think there's something about singing too. I think the whole yeah. vibration, sound vibration, and everything. Yeah. So. Well, and especially but. when you think of all the energy that that goes into something that's well known. You know, like the the thoughts that get repeated by a lot of people, mm-hmm. they're stronger than the ones that. I maybe that's a limiting belief. I don't know. Well, they have a lot of momentum. It's true. The question is whether you're going to tap into that momentum yeah. or not. You know. Yeah. 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 So. Or get swept up by it when it's something we might not necessarily want. Yeah. Right on. So I'm going to have a new book on offer very soon. It won't be anything super special for GVU people because you've been hearing me say this for a long time. But it is for it's replacing my LOA for the real world free ebook. It's the three LOA keys to unlock your financial fortune. I think it might actually be available right now. I have not approved the final edit of the book but it that thing's plugged in like the the thingy majig works so i should that's one of my things to look at sometimes ah, cool Check it out. i want to share mm-hmm. a quote that that i just i don't know why it just stood out to me in the dynamic laws of prosperity but um of course on my reread it it, it stood out for me it's a quote by charles fillmore who uh, was a co-founder of Unity back in the 1800s, and he, this is what he said: Imagination gives man the ability to project himself through time and space, and rise above all limitations. Mm-hmm. I thought that's a good beautiful. reminder. Imagination gives man the ability to project himself through time and space, and rise above all limitations. I like it. That feels like a wonderful yeah. way for us to sign off with our meet up here today thank you for that nancy yeah thank you and thank you everyone for this discussion it's, it's 
reaffirms yeah, why this is one of my favorite calls of the month. So thanks for being here, everyone. Thanks, Jeanette. Thank best, you. Best wishes for Joe feeling better. Yeah, thank yeah. you. And for me, too. <laughs> Joe probably wasn't as wrapped up about it as I have been. But good manifesting uh, challenges, you know, good opportunity to grow some muscles. So it's all good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Have a great weekend, everybody. Yes, Bye, everyone. Yes. Thanks again, guys. Okay, bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.